Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Incredible thing. Well, today we are uh, continuing in this series called Things Jesus Never Said. And um, the series came about because of, about two months ago, I was doing a message and, and, and I said something that we all kind of commonly believe that God said. And I was like, eh, that's actually not true. That's not the Bible doesn't say that. And then I had multiple conversations with people afterwards that said, tell me more about the things God never said. What are some of the things that I believe that are, are just not true? And, and so I said, you know what, it seems like I need to do a series. And so we planned this series for this summer because I think it's important that we understand the things that God did say. Because if we don't know what he said, and, and we, then we certainly, certainly are susceptible to being twisted by what the world says that God said, what culture says that God said, what tradition, even in churches, that God has said. And we find that when we take those things and we challenge them and, and, and look for them in Scripture, we simply don't find them. But if we don't do that, if we don't walk through that, challenging those things that we believe, well, then what happens is, is our own faith, our own doctrine gets twisted, and we wind up living underneath a burden that is not ours. And ultimately, what happens is, is when we believe falsely or wrongly about God, but we wind up blaming him for things. We wind up complaining about him to everyone. In fact, there's things that I hear all the time, and, and it's our subject for the day, but if God is so good, why does he allow bad things to happen? If he's all-powerful, why doesn't he stop all the bad stuff from happening? If he knows what's coming, why doesn't he tell us so that we can avoid it? Now, these are great questions. And you think like, man, we've got an all-powerful God on our side. Of course, that's what we want him to do. But you know what? These questions are not really about God. They're more about us and avoiding pain and experiencing comfort, right? It's more about us because we really like that. We like comfort. This isn't really about who God is. We use these questions to avoid surrendering to God. We use these questions to avoid trusting God. And sometimes maybe that's just not in us because we don't have that experience with God to know that he is good. But comfort is our way after all. And we want it and we want it now. We don't want to have to trust God because trusting God means we got to turn over control. And boy, we don't like to do that. We don't want to trust that he's in control. But I digress. Let me back up here. Knowing God and what he said and what he didn't say will help us have a proper perspective of him of his intent and his plans for us. And in this series, what we're doing is we're focusing specifically on the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus did not say. And in regards to God's goodness and what our experience would be here on this earth, because that's my focus for the day, Jesus did not say the following about what your life would look like in relationship with him. Jesus did not say, whoever does the will of my father will always have a short line at Chipotle. Man, I wish that one was true. Jesus did not say, if you lose your life for my sake, your Amazon Prime package will always arrive on time. Oh, I hit somebody deep in their, in their soul on that one. Y'all okay out there? Jesus did not say, but seek first the kingdom of God and you'll never lose a follower on Instagram. Jesus never promised you'd always be healthy. He never promised that you'd be wealthy. He never promised that you'd be thin. He never promised that your Wi-Fi would never buffer when you're watching a movie. He never promised you that you'd 
have all your hair all of your life, that it would never thin. He never promised you that you'd go on a blind date. They would show up and see you and then leave. He never promised that that wouldn't happen to you. (laughs) Jesus never promised you wouldn't get that zit before that big interview. And he never promised that your spouse wouldn't have a headache when you're in the mood. Come on, somebody. He He never promised that. What he did say, what he did say about your life here on this earth, we find in John chapter 16, and he's talking to his disciples, his followers, his confidants, his friends. He's talking to them about what life is getting ready to be like, because he knows. He knows he's getting ready to be crucified, brutally murdered, beaten. He knows that they're going to be confused. He knows that they're going to scatter. He knows that they're going to be lost. And Jesus is helping them because he knows they have a mission. And he wants to share his final thoughts with them. He wants to share his prayer and his hope for them. And so he says in John chapter 16, verse 20, he says, Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. That's what he said. You will weep. You will mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve. Y'all know what grief is? Grief is, is, is the loss of a desired future. That there is something you had hoped for in a relationship, in an opportunity, and, and it, it's gone. That desired future is gone, and as a result, we grieve. He says, you will grieve, but your grief will turn into joy. That sounds upside down and backwards, doesn't it? But that's Jesus for you. The things he has to say are life-changing and powerful, and we need to tune in to what he did say so we can know what he didn't say. In fact, in this prayer that he offers and what he's talking to his disciples about, he uses the world in comparison 19 times in that prayer. And he talks a lot. He says, he says peace I'll give you. He says, but I'm not going to give you peace like the world gives you. He talks about I came from the Father to the world, and now I'm going to leave the world, and I'm going to go to the Father. He goes on to tell them them that if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. He says, if you belong to the world, the world would love you, but since you don't, the world hates you. You're chosen out of this world. And then in his prayer, he asked the Father, he says, don't take them out of this world, just protect them while they're in this world. And though they're in this world, I pray that they would not be of this world. Jesus recognizes that there is a difference between what the world has to offer and what he had to offer. And he talks a lot about that. Look at verse 20 again. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Verse 21, he says, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Pause. Giving birth is difficult. So I've heard. I don't have a personal experience with this. But I've heard that it's difficult. In fact, in my birthing experiences, I have three children. My two boys were born by, by C-section, so I didn't, we didn't go through that bearing down process. And my daughter uh, was here before I knew her, uh, meaning that she came with my wife. And so I wasn't there for her being born either. But I hear that it's a painful process. And so because I, didn't, I don't have a frame of reference, I had to look it up and go, well, what is that like? 
And I kind of keyed in on some of the things that are said during that birthing process that helped me understand it. So here's a few things that, are, that women say during the birthing process. I can't do this. You, you did this to me. This is all your fault. Don't touch me. Doctors telling him, woman, push. The woman says, no, I changed my mind. And the last thing that was really popular was, get this thing out of me. I'm like, somebody needs to do an exorcism there because something is going on. But it's interesting, as painful as the process is and as difficult as it is, after the child is born, mm, there's not a woman that has held their infant and said the pain was not worth it. There's not a woman that's held their child and said, no, no, this, this, this wasn't okay. No, because the joy received on the other side is greater than the pain of the process. And the truth is, is Jesus promises that there will be mourning, there will be weeping, there will be pain, there will be bad days. But your pain will turn into joy if you keep on walking with him. That's the point. He goes on to say in verse 22, so with you. So he's like, just like the woman who gives birth and has joy afterwards, he says, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and, will, and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. That's the kind of joy that God offers is joy that is not based on your circumstances and your surroundings and everything going well in your life. It is a joy that is above and beyond those things. It's a supernatural kind of joy. Now, if we keep going in chapter 16 down to verse 33, Jesus explains why he's talking to them, because this has to be confusing to them. Why is he prepping us for pain? Why is he prepping us for grief? Jesus, you're still here. What's going on? And he says in verse 33, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Because in this world, you'll have trouble. He did not say you'll always have the best parking. He did not say you'll never suffer, suffer the loss of a loved one. He never said your girlfriend will not break up with you. He never said you'll, you won't lose a job. He promises quite the opposite. He promises that in this world, you'll have trouble. Pain is a promise. Struggle is certain. Suffering in this world is inevitable. Welcome to Simple Church. We want you to feel good about yourself. Bienvenido a Simple Church, donde queremos que te sientas bien contigo mismo. I did have to practice that. Got it written real big right here so I could see it. Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you'll live a pain-free life. It's not what it means. He promises persecution. He promises hardships and trouble. And some of you, you all know this really well. Because you're either coming out of a season of pain, you're either currently in a season of pain, or some of you see a season of pain that's on the horizon. That, that's just the places you are. And, and, and some of you know what those seasons are. Some of them are seasons where you felt left out. You felt overlooked, you felt rejected, a season where you were all alone, where you lost your confidence, or maybe you're battling depression and the harder you fight, the heavier that depression seems to get. Or maybe you're in a season where your anxiety is out of control, or maybe you just got some bad news. Maybe you're in a current financial struggle. 
where you can't seem to make the ends meet, let alone find those ends. Or maybe you've got a health challenge going on and the doctor is giving you a bad report. Things are not going the way that you would hope or your relationship is in shambles. Your marriage used to be red hot, but now you feel distant. Or maybe you've got a kid that you have trained and raised to make good decisions and you have given them every opportunity to do things right, but they, they're going their own way and it's just breaking your heart. Or maybe the pressure you're under at work right now feels unbearable and you've got a checklist that has more for you to do than is humanly possible. You're afraid, you're hurting, you're overwhelmed in this season and you might even feel like no one understands you. And the question is, God, where are you? Where are you in all of this? I've got good news for you guys today. If pain is a promise, then there must be some purpose behind it. That there is a reason. Jesus said, I tell you this so that you can have peace. And what I'm going to tell you today, I hope will bring you peace. Because if it wasn't for your good and for God's glory, why would God allow it to happen in your life? Not that God caused it, not that he did it, but why would he allow it if he's so powerful and he's so good? That's the question, right? So I'm going to share with you today two of the blessings that come from trouble, trials, and hardship. And the first one is, is that troubles, trials, and hardships prove your faith. When you go through stuff, it reveals the depth of your faith in God. In fact, Peter wrote this to some Christians, and, uh, and this, this letter was written around 60 to 65 A.D., so Jesus has been gone for some time. And he's writing this letter to these Christians that were being extremely persecuted by Emperor Nero. <laughs> and the things that Nero would do is he would take Christians, and for sport, he would skin animals, and he would sew the Christians into those animal skins, and then they would throw them into an arena and watch as wild dogs devoured them. This was sport, and this was fun. He would take Christians and dip them in hot wax and hold elaborate parties and light them on fires, and they would get drunk to the sounds of Christians screaming in agony. The first Roman candles. And into that experience and that persecution, Peter writes the following. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Come on, somebody. Is anybody else with me that that would be hard to hear? How in the world can you say these words to me? Even though you must endure trials for a little while, Peter, they lit my mom on fire. You want me to be glad? These trials will show that your faith is genuine. Huh. Consider this. If there's a genuine kind of faith, there's also a counterfeit kind of faith. There's a counterfeit faith. A, a counterfeit faith won't stand. No, a counterfeit faith might look like somebody who goes to church on Sunday. They might put a little bit in the offering. They, they, they might even, like, you know, uh, uh, they, they might post, like, scripture graphics on their social media. You know the people I'm talking about, right? Like, they look like they're Christians, but they have no root within them. Their faith is not strong. 
They look and act the part, but they've not taken steps to deepen their personal walk with God. And I can absolutely understand that. That's part of my story, too. I grew up in church. If you're you're here today and you grew up in church, you were probably like me. You knew the ins and outs of church. You knew how to talk. You knew how to present yourself. And you also knew exactly what to hide. You knew the things you could say and could not say. You knew the shows that you could talk about and could not talk about. Come on, somebody. You knew the TikToks that you could share. <laughs> I, I, I grew up in church, but I can't tell you that I had a deep faith that was rooted in me taking steps following Jesus. A deep faith that, that man, when trials and troubles came my way, I was going to stand firm. What happened to me as a young man, as a, as somebody, a, a pastor, did something stupid. Which, by the way, pastors are going to do stupid things, guys. I'm going to do stupid things. If I've done something stupid to you, I'm sorry. Please have a conversation with me. I'm just human. Remember, I'm butt dust. If you were here a few weeks ago, butt dust. I'm butt dust. Some of you are like, what is he talking about? You got to be here at Simple Church every Sunday, guys. Got to be here. (laughs) But when that offense came for me in my life, instead of doing the deep work of forgiving and going to that person who had offended me, I said, I I played deuces and duck lips. I'm gone. I'm out. See you later. God, I'm leaving you and I'm leaving your people behind because I can't stand them. I lacked deep roots in my faith. Many of you can relate to that. Because you've been in a relationship with Jesus, maybe doing your Jesus thing, going to church, and something bad happens, and all of a sudden, it pulls you away. Because you, like me, when I was younger, lack deep roots. You lack them. And Jesus told a parable about a sower, a farmer who's sowing seed. He's, ca- he's just casting it. And if you've ever thrown seed before, I- I've thrown seed in my yard to, to make sure that my-, my grass looks good. And some of it falls on, on the-, the rocky path, the sidewalk there, and ain't nothing going to grow there. Nothing's going to grow there. The birds come along and they eat it. And Jesus talks about that in this parable. He says, throw some, some of it falls on the path and the birds come along and eat it or gets trampled. And then some, some it gets thrown into an area where there's, there's weeds. And, and though, though the, the plant grows, the weeds and the thorns choke it out. And he says, these, these weeds and these thorns are essentially the cares of this life. Then he talks about the ground. Some of, it, some of it starts to grow, but it's a shallow ground. It does The roots don't go down far. And when troubles and persecutions come along, he says, those people quickly fall away. The seed he's talking about is God's word. And, and the ground is our hearts. So whether it's rocky heart or we've got a lot of cares of the world or whether we just won't allow God's word to go deep because we are unwilling to do the work to take the steps, He says, we can fall away. And as your pastor, I don't want this to happen to you like it happened to me. That's not my desire for you. I want you rooted in a deep and trusting relationship with God. More often than not, though, we don't see this happen. Things go wrong and we bounce. Oh, I got a migraine. God doesn't love me. Oh, I was rejected from grad school. God's not real. Or my loved one passes away, dies of cancer. I can't trust God. But it's with a genuine faith in Jesus. Your deep roots will grow and we can stand strong through the storms of life. Troubles, 
trials and hardships prove our faith. Otherwise, we never have proof that we have that faith. In these verses, I, talk, I mentioned that Jesus contrasts the world and himself, and he says there's, there's a whole lot the world has to offer, but he's like, in this world, but he also says, in me, there's some things. In the world, you're going to have trouble. Why? Because we're part of a broken, sin-stained world. You're going to have trouble, but in him, he says, in me, I'm going to have peace. In the middle of trouble, in the middle of this sin-filled world, in the middle of all of that, you can have peace beyond anything you can understand and beyond anything anyone else can understand. That's what's available to us. You know the times that I, I have seen God's, God's peace be on display? The greatest moments. It's not a funeral. So we started our church in a funeral home in 2013. And as a result, I became the funeral pastor. <laughs> I got a lot of opportunities to do funerals. And one day I remember being, being at the funeral. I always start with a prayer, and, and I just felt such grace from God that was in that place. And I felt such love that my opening remarks and my opening prayer went like this. God, I thank you for the beauty of this day. And before I could stop myself, those words came out of my mouth. And I had to quickly backtrack and go, not that it's beautiful that this person died. This is true but that the beauty of all that have, of those who have gathered today that are supporting one another and your presence that I feel in this place. See, the Bible says that God is close to the brokenhearted. It's the most beautiful display of grace is in those moments where you see God being close to those who are brokenhearted. And buddy, let me tell you, at a Christian funeral, boy, those that, are, that we know they were walking with Jesus, there might be some tears, but boy, there is a whole lot of happiness and celebration because we celebrate that, man, they are not in their body that gave them trouble anymore. They are not here on this earth. There's no more tears. There's no more sorrow. They are with Jesus, and they are celebrating their triumphant entry into heaven. Man, that's a great day. It's a beautiful day, and it's a time where people shouldn't have peace, but they do. That's the kind of peace Jesus is talking about. That in the midst of the troubles and the trials, the worst moments in your life, you can have peace that the world doesn't give and the world can't understand. It's in Jesus alone. A faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. The hardest things I've been through, I felt God closest to me. Troubles are a promise but so is the joy that is coming. The second blessing that comes from troubles, trials, and hardships is that they prepare you for purpose. Oh, man, I love this part. We talk about this a lot here at Simple Church. We talk a lot about how God takes your mess and turns it into your message. He takes that pain and turns it into your purpose. A few years ago, I was reading... Uh, a book called Man's Search for Meaning. It's by a Jewish author and psychologist, Viktor Frankl. Highly recommend the read. The guy went through the Holocaust, was in three of the death camps. And when he came out of the death camps, um, he was assigned to a lot of the uh, death camp survivors. Because he, unlike many other psychologists that were working with those people who were traumatized by the experience, all the other psychologists that were working with him, their patients eventually ended their lives. But not Viktor Frankl. 
And he had this to say, and this is what he taught his patients. He says that suffering ceases to be suffering the moment you assign meaning to it. Think about that for a moment. Suffering, what you're going through right now, whatever that pain is, whatever that loss is, it ceases to be suffering the moment you assign meaning to it. That doesn't mean that you have to know what that meaning is right now. It means that you can trust that there is a meaning, that God will use it for your good and for his glory. There is a purpose behind your troubles, your trials, and your hardships. So whatever's happening isn't just happening to you. It's happening in you as well. And that's a beautiful thing. Because I I know we all want to grow, right? We all want to be stronger. We all want to be more prepared. We want to be the best versions of ourselves that we can be, right? We all want that. But newsflash, ease and comfort, which is what we all want, never make you stronger. Just doesn't happen. Do you know how, what increases your strength? Resistance. That's why when you go to the gym, what are you doing? You are pushing and you are pulling. It's all resistance. It's all resistance and it builds muscles. What makes diamonds the most incredible pressure? What strengthens and purifies metals? The hottest fires. What increases flexibility? Stress and stretching. None of those sound pleasant at all. And if they do sound pleasant to you, gross. Because the potential for friendship is diminishing greatly. That's your thing. But um, no, seriously, though, the pain is never comfortable. But it's always working something in you. In fact, we see that in the Bible. And this is a verse that I hate is in the Bible. I do. Uh, but if you ever read in the book of James, James is just very direct. This is James, the brother of Jesus, and he says this in James chapter 1, verse 2. James has got no chill, right? This is chapter 1, verse 2. He just runs at it. He's like, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It's doing something in you. He says, let it. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking, not lacking anything. And I want that for you. I want you mature. I want you complete. I don't want you lacking anything that you need on your spiritual journey. I I, I want that for you. For me, uh, growing up and all through my life, compliments and praise did not grow me. I like it. Don't get me wrong, I'm for it, but the things that grew me were pain. Uh, I, pain I caused, pain others caused for me, or pain that life handed me, whatever it may be. Some of the examples of my life are just simply being passed over for opportunities I believe that I deserved. And you know what it did? It made me learn to be more prepared, because when preparation meets opportunity, boom, you've got magic. So I learned to be more prepared. I was fired twice from the same company for the same reason. I could not arrive on time. And after getting fired twice from the same company, I decided I should probably do something about it. 
So back in the day, we used to have these things called alarm clocks. And it had a snooze button on top. That's all its function was. It was not a touchscreen phone. It was a button. It was one of them General Electrics. Anybody had the General Electric alarm clock? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, there's a few, there's a few old people in the room. Thank you. Whew. And I made a decision. I cracked open that case. I removed the snooze button, took it for a drive on the highway, and threw it out the window. I needed a moment where I made a decision, and it prepared me. And I never got fired from a job for not arriving on time again. It shaped me. Last year, with the help of my dear friend Amy Toole over here, she walked me through something called a 360 evaluation, which as a leader... You go to your team members and say, hey, guys, how am I doing? It's not fun. It's actually painful. I cried a lot. No, I, I did. No, 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 no. I'm not complaining. What I'm saying is, is the feedback I got was, was good, and there was also some painful stuff to read about how my leadership and how I was showing up was actually detrimental to the work they were doing and to what they needed from me. That was painful, but I grew from it, and I'm thankful for it. Pain grows us. What about addiction? I walk through addiction. Let me tell you, one of the most painful things about walking through addiction is being honest with yourself first and then being honest with others about what you've been walking through because it's been hidden. Even though they've known because they've seen the side effects of it in my life, that was difficult. It still is difficult. But resistance, failure, pressure, stretching, pain, is what grew me. You say, you know, Aaron, I'm walking through something right now, and you might be. And maybe right now you don't see the point. You're discouraged, you're overwhelmed, and you're afraid. But I got a question for you. Could it be that God's preparation comes packaged as pain? That's how he prepared a lot of biblical people. I'm not sorry to tell you that. It's just true. Joseph Joseph was supposed to rescue the Israelites from famine and from death. And the entire, the entire country of Egypt and many countries around them. God gave him this vision as a young man that everybody's going to bow down to you. And Joseph went through rejection by his brothers and his family. His brothers lied to his dad and said he was dead. Joseph got sold into slavery, wound up in Egypt where he was lied about and thrown into prison and left to rot until God gave him an opportunity to interpret a dream that he had given to Pharaoh. Next thing you know, Joseph is put into this position of power and authority to save all of Egypt and his family. God did that. But it was pain that prepared him for those things. What about David? David is the guy who took a, took a stone, took five stones from a brook, and it only took one, put it in his little sling and slung it at the giant Goliath, and it, the Bible says it hit his head and sunk in. That hit hard, and it killed him. With David, that wasn't his first time slinging a stone. You look at modern-day shepherds, they still use slings because it's the easiest thing to carry. It's light. And they can find stones everywhere. And they sling those things with deadly accuracy. And they learn to do those things because 
the sling and stone is it's readily available. It's not affected by moisture and like gunpowder can be and weapons can be. And so they, they use these slings to ward off enemies. David, we know that he fought a lion and a bear. Why? To prepare him for the day that he would fight a giant. What about Peter? Peter's supposed to preach on the day of Pentecost, and he does, and 3,000 people give their lives and place their faith in, in Jesus. But Peter... Peter had to go through some stuff, man. Peter went through a moment where he denied Jesus. Jesus was on trial. And he denies that he ever knew him. Even calls down curses. Says, I don't know the guy. The Bible says Jesus looked at him. The cock crowed. And Peter knew because Jesus told him, you're going to deny me three times before that rooster crows. Peter rejected and dejected himself. He was just... So I'm going to go fishing. The Lord, after he raises from the dead, finds Peter and he restores him. Peter went through some stuff. And on the day of Pentecost, he preaches that powerful message. Could it be that God's preparation comes packaged as pain? Trials won't weaken your faith. They'll make them stronger. So just tell yourself, it's it's not just pain. It's preparation. You weren't turned down. You were toughened up. Come on, somebody. That offense that that you received, it was brought into your life to help you purify your heart. That loneliness that you're going through right now is teaching you to trust God like never before. That betrayal you experience is expanding your capacity to love and forgive. That setback is a set up for God to show up and to show off. There's always a purpose in your pain. It proves your faith, and it prepares you for purpose. You say, Aaron, this is not what I thought I was going to hear today. I thought the Bible is full of good news, and the promise of pain doesn't feel like good news. Let me tell you something. The good news isn't that Jesus saves us from our pain. The good news is that Jesus saves us from our sins. That's the good news. He never promised that everything would be hunky-dory following him. He promised us pain. In fact, he invited us to it. He said, if anybody was going to follow me, they need to pick up their cross, which is an instrument of torture, by the way, crucify your flesh, and follow me. That's what he invited us to. That sounds like pain to me. (laughs) He said, come on. John 16, 33 says, in this world, you'll have trouble. But take heart. Why? Why are we taking heart? Why are we going to have peace? He says, I have overcome the world. Take heart. This world's tough, but Jesus overcame it. And I know you're sitting there right now. I can already hear the conversations. Aaron, you don't know what I'm going through, and that's just easy for you to say. You know why it's easy for me to say? It's because my faith has been proven. Because I've done the work of deepening my roots and trusting him in moments that were difficult. And as a result... I found his purpose in the pain, and you can too. And I'll end with this last verse, and I'm hoping that it's encouraging to you. This is John again speaking. This is 1 John chapter 5. He says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You want to overcome trials and troubles in your pain you can in this world you'll have those things jesus promised it 
But if you want to overcome them, he already did. And in him, you will too. In the world, you'll have trouble. But in Christ, you'll have peace. Let's pray. Father, today, I, uh, during worship, I was just kind of looking around this room. I was looking at the stories of trials, tribulations, pains. And I, I see this, the, the faces in this room and, and the stories of which I know, and I'm just thankful, God. I'm thankful for the ways that you showed up in all those situations. I look at the, some of the stories are stories of loss. Some of the stories are stories of confusion while they walk through something difficult. Trying to understand why it's happening. Look at some of the stories of disappointment. Grief. The pain of broken relationships. Pain of being a parent or even being the child. The pain that comes from the brokenness of this world. I know the stories and God, I'm thankful for every way that you have been faithful. But, Lord, I know there are even more stories that I don't know yet. And I know there are even more stories, Lord, that you are longing to infiltrate. And by that, I mean you long to walk with us. And, God, for whatever reason, we've kept you out of it. Prayer has been put on the shelf. Turning to you has not been a thought we've had. We've tried to walk through these things in our own strength. But it's in you that we have peace. It's in you that we find purpose for our pain. It's in you that we find the strength to overcome the seasons that we're walking through. So God, I pray that today would be that reminder to look to your son. That it doesn't mean the situation and the circumstances will change, but it means that we can find peace. We can assign meaning to that suffering. And trust you. And like James says, count it all joy. These are hard things to do. They requires a deep faith. Lord, help us to deepen our faith. Help us to experience all that you have for us in every area of our life, especially the difficult, difficult ones. Whatever that situation is, Lord, I pray that you would be close to them and that they would turn to you they would repent, and they would experience your grace, your mercy, your peace. Hmm. Some of you need this like you need your next breath. You need to take the opportunity to just invite him in to whatever it is you're walking through right now. See, I don't know how to do that. It's as simple as just saying, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I can't figure it out. I can't carry this burden. I'm confused and I'm hurting. Jesus, I need you. Let that be your prayer today. Jesus, I need you. There are others of you in this room today. You need Jesus in a different way. You don't have a relationship with him. And today that can be your prayer. Jesus, I need you. In fact, if, if you don't have a relationship with God, Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Nobody comes to God except through me. So today, if you're ready to begin a relationship with your heavenly father, 
to experience this peace that Jesus promises. Today is your day. Why wait? Why put it off? Begin a relationship. You say, Aaron, I don't know the words. I'll give you the words. I'll pray the prayer, and you can repeat it after me. It's not the words that matter. It's your heart. So today, if you're going to pray that prayer, the only thing I ask you to do right now, there's nobody looking around. Everybody's in a prayer. Christians are praying for you right now. But if you want to pray that prayer today, would you just slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me. I'm going to do that today. I'm making a commitment. I'm making a decision. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There are decisions being made in this room today. Thank you. Everybody, let's pray together out loud. Nobody prays alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Today, I give you my life. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Bible says if you prayed that prayer, friends, heaven's having a party. We're going to celebrate right now. Come on, Simple Church, let's celebrate with them. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step in to make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.